You're good. The title of this morning's message is Don't Have It Your Way. I have bad news. The kingdom of heaven is not like Burger King. Really, this is good news. We might even say it's the good news. But the questioners in John's gospel this morning, just like them, I wonder if we often expect that the kingdom of God, the way of Jesus, the path of the cross, will be somewhat more familiar to us than it actually is. That the habits that we're called to take up, we wish they might fit a little bit more seamlessly into our current lives that the modes of thinking and talking and relating that God often inhabits himself, that they might be a little bit more accessible to us, more comfortable, more commonsensical to our current proclivities and situation, our current desires. Tell us plainly, the questioners say, are you the Christ? Remember, these are not strangers who have just come off the street into the temple. They're not pagans who have never heard a word of scripture. They're not even worshipers of some other deity, used to sacred words but not familiar with the proclamations of the God Yahweh. These are people who have heard the words of God the God of the burning bush, the God of the prophets, since before they could understand language. The voice of God ought to be one of the most familiar sounds to their ears, one of the most identifiable voices to their minds and their hearts. And yet, as they're faced with the very Son of God, the man who proclaims the Father and I are one, They eye him suspiciously. Even more than that, in the verse after our gospel lesson ends this morning, their response to him proclaiming that he is one with God, their response is to pick up stones to throw and kill him. How is it that these religious people, who've been fed the milk of God since their childhood, couldn't recognize him when God was literally standing in front of them, staring them in the face. I wonder how we might be, like them, so uncomfortable with the presence of God, with what God stirs up inside of us, and what God wishes for our own good, that we too might miss the hallmarks of God's kingdom, the signposts that hint at God's presence. So I suggest this morning that we spend a few minutes considering how to recognize Jesus, our Lord, and his kingdom, the kingdom of God, that we might be ready to hear his words a bit more clearly here in 2019. Indeed, I believe that is why you are here this morning. You're here to be 
trained and indoctrinated in seeing and staying in the kingdom of God. You have, you have come into this building that looks not at all like any other buildings that you sit in during the week. You've come to sing songs that don't sound like the songs or the lyrics that you hear all week long. To hear words in scripture and in prayers and in sermons that are not, kind, are not the kind of talking or language that you're used to hearing on the television or the radio or in the supermarket or at the water cooler in your office. You have come here to be made uncomfortable, to hear something a little bit strange. So here I am to help you, to help myself, to settle into this discomfort, even for a few minutes. I was reading this week about churches and church communities, whether they're supposed to make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, whether you're supposed to feel at home and completely at ease, or whether you're supposed to feel at least just a little bit weird when you show up on Sunday mornings. Isn't that a countercultural thing to do? To drag yourself every single week to the same place that makes you feel kind of awkward when you walk through the door? And yet, if you're doing church right, if we're doing church right, that's exactly what happens. It's a little bit like sticking to a meal plan or to a workout schedule, except that this one is for our hearts and our souls. It stretches muscles that we sometimes forget that we have. It assigns us to digest and think about and be nourished by things that don't feel very exciting sometimes. So why do we stick to it? Why do we keep doing uncomfortable things and listening to these weird prayers and subjecting ourselves to these all-too-authentic people in the pews. That was supposed to be kind of a joke. Okay, there you go. (laughs) We do it because Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. No one will snatch them out of my hand. There's something about that voice that we hear when we come to this place. There's something that we recognize in the midst of all the strangeness and awkwardness and formal pomp of liturgy and the uncommon words of scripture It resonates so deeply that we can't deny its importance, even if it's not necessarily the funnest thing or the shiniest thing or the easiest thing that we do all week long. Perhaps, like the questioners that we encounter this morning, we too are drawn to the voice of God 
like sheep who follow their shepherd, knowing even his footfall when we hear it, possessing an almost involuntary response to our shepherd's voice. But then, like the questioners this morning, once we get close to the shepherd, once we're in the thrall of that voice that speaks most deeply to our souls and our spirits, to the very core of our creation, we sometimes get a little bit skittish. The closeness gets to feeling like we've ended up using a map upside down, and we didn't end up where it was that we thought we were going. Or as if we've been dropped into a foreign country without a translation dictionary, not knowing what we're listening to or how to get anywhere. So we start to wonder whether maybe that voice that we heard that we thought was speaking so deeply to our hearts, it's it's not quite so familiar. Or maybe it's not so deeply resonating after all. Maybe it was indigestion that we felt instead. We get caught in that tension between the deep longing in our hearts and the weird, uncomfortable land where the shepherd has led. But what is it that Jesus says to his sheep, the disciples, as they cowered in fear in that upper room that was locked after his resurrection? What does Jesus, the good shepherd, say to each of his sheep, all of his flock, when they are fearful or uncertain? Through the breath of the Holy Spirit upon each one, he says, peace, peace be with you. The kingdom of God is not a place or a people that feels comfortable to anyone on this side of the grave. The kingdom of God is always the place that has people in it we don't quite agree with. It's always the place that we want to look sideways at even just a little bit. It reminds me of a quotation from Father Jordan's favorite preacher. If you agree with everything that the gospel says, you're not paying close enough attention. The kingdom of God, where Jesus is shepherd, Lord, and ruler of all, is a place where we will feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because on this side of the grave, we still have sin clinging to us. We still get distracted by other voices that vie for our attention. We still have prejudices and proclivities that don't jive with God's vision for us. And the tension between the desires that we hold dear and the desires that God has for us create friction, create discomfort. So because of the way that we tend to cling to our precious sins, sins of comfort and familiarity, sins of disdain 
or of pride or of worthlessness. Whatever it is that whispers in your ear that you don't belong in church or that you don't belong to this good shepherd is a lie. It is sin. It is darkness. To the voice that insists that we can't be sure of this good shepherd unless we're told plainly on our own terms in words that we can understand simply and that we can control and manipulate and make say whatever it is that we want, this voice is the temptation to ignore the glorious discomfort and the holy growth of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, may we not doubt the gentle call of God as he calls each one of us by name. May we know that we are close to God's presence and close to God's kingdom and close to God's heart, even and especially when that discomfort comes. May we even praise the Lord for it. Amen.